On the north side of Chicago It's the coolest bar in town And if you go up there You better just beware You're gonna find a bunch of clowns It's a mad, mad, crazy bar The whole damn place is just so bizarre Full of all the vice and sin where do we even begin? Tip your bartenders. Hi, everyone. This is Pub Crawl Liz, and I am with the geriatric genius. Genius, say hi. Hi. Um, thanks for tuning in to what show? What show number is it? I think it's forty-seven or forty-eight, and we're um. It won't. Uh, we're a little late because Jordan's dog was ill, and we couldn't Poor do our Tuesday. Fella. We couldn't do Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, that's okay. Uh, well, it's not okay that his dog's ill. No, that's not okay. Um, so Jordan, uh, what's your dog's name again? Harris. Harris is a beagle. He's, he's named after a tweed. Um, <laughs> Harris is a beagle. And he has some lower back issues. Was he, he was just in pain, like, like crying, oh, like with every step. Oh man! Be- beagles sad. are beagles uh, are are prone to put on weight. Now, if you see uh, people, they're very good hunting dogs for rabbits and stuff like that. But uh, and, and those probably get a lot of exercise. But I was a little kid living in Upper's Grove. Uh, my friend Tommy Heath had a beagle named Cappy, and Cappy used to follow him to school every day. Cappy was unbelievably fat, probably three times fatter than he was supposed to be. So he would follow Tommy to school, but then on his way home, he would—he had a whole series of places. He'd stop at the local butcher shop and bark, and they, every, everybody was constantly... Oh, throw him a treat? They, treat! They'd give him like 10 pounds of blubber and fat and stuff to eat. So he just got, and then they, he lived next door to Gilbert Park out in Upper Grove, and there was always picnics on the weekend in the summer, and Cappy would go down there and beg from all the picnickers. So he was able to make, <laughs> they could have put him on the most perfect diet known to man, and he still would have uh, been like a, a 200-pound beagle, and that's not really too good for a beagle. No. Um, so he got some meds? Does he have to have, like, surgery or anything? So he's good. No surgery. So does he have to go on a diet? He's not too fat, Bruce. Well, I'm just warning him because they're prone. Definitely prone. What are you, like a, a secret ambassador for the American Kennel Club? I'll tell you what. This whole people, I mean, I would, folks, anybody out there thinking about getting a dog, don't. Wrong. No. Wrong answer. No, let me tell Wrong you why. Answer. Let me tell you why. Something mysterious has been happening with dogs. My daughter has had three dogs in the last five or six years. Each one has had catastrophic health problems. And Sorry, can we two, stop, pause for a minute? Talk about catastrophic. You have your headphones on wrong. Like, like six or $10,000 or can, 20 I don't know. There's no way you can hear out of your left ear. Fix I your can, headphone. I can hear fine. Did you see this, Jordan? Look at this shit. What, what's wrong? Is this, gonna, is this about to be better? Better? Okay. Oh, wow. I was hearing That was fine. unreal. I was hearing Okay, fine. sorry to interrupt. Um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, so everybody I know. So she's going to spend six grand on her dogs? Oh, oh, way more than that. Now she got some kind of special. But now, so both those dogs, they, you know, she used to show them. One was a... Uh, I was going to say, speaking of the AKC, Gracie was definitely, like, into showing dogs. Well, she actually um, won a prize at Westminster with... Um, oh, she went to the show. Yeah, her the dog, big Arthur. Show. Yeah, she did. She, oh, she was going to all the uh, shows. What kind of dog was Arthur? Arthur was a field spaniel, and then she had a mm. wired-haired griffon, and both of them got catastrophic illnesses, and, and, and that was the end of them, very young. And then, Arthur, Arthur I really liked, the other dog was kind of a psycho. Um, Arthur was a very interesting kind of dog, reclusive. But and but loved showing. I mean, he, when you go, I had to go to the show and like he felt you could see when he was walking oh, yeah, down, he, he felt really it. proud. Oh yeah, he dug it. <laughs> you could definitely tell he he's dug a it. ham. Well, the interesting place that when you're going uh, to uh, dog shows is get somehow get in the back room where all the dogs are getting groomed and all that. Yeah. Oh my God, what a freak show! And the people, the people that own the dogs. I mean, they're. Absolutely. I, I think it was some, some kind of a movie, wasn't there? About best in Show, one yeah. of the best movies ever. It was a good movie. Fantastic. I'm you would sh- love it. I'm sure it didn't even take it. You watch Schitt's Creek? Yeah. So Eugene Levy and his wife in the no, show. No, I've heard that it's a real good movie. They're, just, they're I, I, like, this is like the ensemble that ended up going to do different things together. And so the Eugene Levy and his wife, Catherine O'Hara, are married in Best in Show. But they're not married in life. No, but, yeah. but they're... But they're a funny couple in the show, in the movie. And the and the big tall fruit kid in Schitt's Creek is his real kid. Oh yeah, yeah, Dan. Yeah. Um. But it's it's a real. Goat girl just went to New York in February. Uh, Was their dog sick? Yeah, Humphrey, uh, who's a pug, had like a blood. Oh issues and he would like literally just walk and just faint collapse. remember when dogs used to just go out in the yard and bark and run around and that was the end of it and then mm-hmm. when they got sick your parents would tell you they went to a farm somewhere that's sad don't talk, let's not was, talk about that part of no it. it's so expensive i, I mean i, I had, had dogs i I've know. had dogs and we never spent anything more than uh, a few shots yeah i don't know and my dogs well at least one of my dogs is real smart um, so Goat Girl went to New York in February with her cousin, and really the reason they went in February into New York was because the uh, Westminster show was going on, and so they went, because oh, they're big dog people too, and um, I think if you're really into it, it's pretty fun to watch all that shit go down. Well, I'd still rather have a life. You know what I mean? If yeah, I, I don't think I'd to want to go to the show. Fu- I, I love live, dogs. If I had to live through my fucking dog, you know. What do you mean? I mean, that's 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 their approval in life is their fucking dog. Well, I mean, to each his own. We're not here to judge. I am. I, I judge. <laughs> and I know I'm you are. I'm here to judge. Speaking of judge, Rock and Roll Ruth is not here again. True. Last week, she was not here because you went to a bar by yourself and brought home a prostitute and wanted her to get naked so you could For, paint her. Yeah. And then Ruth, was who was home when you brought this woman over, said, have, no, no, no. Have you seen the painting? And she was... And, and I saw Ruth for the first time yesterday or the day before. 
And I said, what happened? And she was, you could, the steam was still coming out of her ear. She was so pissed. So, that's this. I'm just teeing up what happened last week. Yeah, you know, did, I mean, here's the question. Did you see the final product the of paint? the painting? Yeah, it's a nice painting. Yes, it is. And it would not have existed had I not done that. Why couldn't you just because take a picture you know what, of her at the bar? Sometimes you have to think about history. You have to think about posterity. And when you're a great artist like me, you do. You think about your art. And there's the silliness. You know, I mean, I'm sure that Picasso and Leonardo were dealing with these things too. I mean, this is just part of being an artist. I just have to kind of... And, you know, and then every now and then uh, certain things happen. Okay, well, something else happened today. A minor little But minor enough, or a major enough that she's not here. Well, she's, she's, she's home working on her art. What's happened? Tell the story. Well, it's, I mean, every now and then, I mean, I have a, I have a photography collection. Of interesting. <laughs> so you're calling it a photography collection? Yeah, I do. And I'm going to start putting it as soon as... I mean, Ruth was going through and taking pictures, so I don't know how to do that. So I can put them on my blogs, and I can write stories about them, because they're, they're all really interesting stories behind all my photography. So I can do endless blogs uh, based on these great photographs. Well... I mean, you know, I have kind of, every once in a while, some girl comes, oh, we get in the wall, we get in the wall, oh, we get naked. Well, some girls Which are Which we're going to get back to that in a minute, because I have a bone to pick with you there, too. Uh, why? Um, we're going to come back to it. Keep talking about the story. Well, I mean, so girls, are, so every now and then, oh, hell, I'll get naked. So then these two girls, um, you know, oh... What's her name? I don't even remember the girl's name. But she's, I'll get naked, I'll get naked. Okay, so we're down in the basement. So her friend's taking the pictures, and she's going to screen them and then send them or, or drop them off the bar for me. So I have no control over the pictures. So I, I, and if you looked at certain peculiar angles, it would look slightly compromising. You know. How so? Well, I mean, I would, my proximity... Like you're standing next to her? Well, it looks like it. It kind of looks like it. looks like, like it. <laughs> I mean, you were or you were not standing because, next to now, her? Now, see, I didn't even think this would be you a problem. probably took him to the basement. You are probably standing there when she took I, her clothes off and I, this other person was taking I, the pictures. You know, photographs are not honest. Oh, really? Take. No, they're not. So, anyway. I, I think that photographs are like me, one of the major sources what, of evidence. What shocked me was that she recognized this girl, the floozy. Oh, the floozy. The floozy. I mean, and I blame the girls. They're aggressive. I mean, what are they taking a seventy-eight-year-old guy down the basement and getting naked and doing all okay, this? Okay, so let's 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 deconstruct this a little bit. Were you doing anything besides standing next to the Absolutely woman? Absolutely not. I mean, the pictures might look like I'm okay. doing. All right, something. fine. Yeah. You were you were present for the I was, photo shoot. I was being a fucking artist. It I was, was in directing. the basement of the alehouse. Okay. I was kind of directing. Okay, next next point. She was in fact naked. Yeah. Okay. Next point. <laughs> the purpose of the nudity was for you to express your artistic self. Yeah, and um, but now it's how long ago was this? 
You know, have you been re- uh, read about anal bleaching? I, I have heard of it, but I have well, never this, taken the time to actually read about it because this, I don't this care. Girl, this girl should have done some anal bleaching. Oh, God. I'll, I'll post about it. So yeah. these are the kinds of pictures you have? I have some butt cheek spreads, yeah. Oh, boy, this gets worse. I thought I was just sort of standing well, I'll there. I'll tell you. I, there was, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, about 10 years ago, this chick said she would do anything to get on the wall. So I took her out. She, so she was spreading her butt cheeks, too. There was a bunch of those. But anyway, I had this whole pile. Now, that's when I used to take them with my camera, and Walgreens would uh, develop them for me. I know. I had the, I, I, you know, I had tons of stuff. I had these really great black, a couple of groups of black hookers came in. I took them in the back room and got some really good pussy shots. And um, so I, I, so okay. I had, so these were on the bar one day, and Gracie and Toby walk in the bar. Now, I was up showing them to the boys. I wasn't paying any attention, but unexpectedly, Grace and Toby walked in. Gracie starts looking through the pictures and goes, Dad, Mom, look. Ah!" And so they screamed at me and stormed out. I could see why. Okay, but that's a different story. Let's focus on the story. Well, it happens. (laughs) For you. Okay, so how many pictures were there this time? It was about 14. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, I didn't take the pictures. Her girlfriend took them. Okay, um, so here's, here's, here's an interesting question from the, not from the artist's point of view, but for, from the um, art appreciation point of view. How would this woman who desperately wants her portrait or whatever on the wall of the alehouse differentiate herself from everybody else if all she's showing you are her butt cheeks and butthole? Um, why is that a part of the show? I the, think should, I, I'll shoot? tell you why. I think it's a show of good faith. <laughs> it shows you're committed. You're committed to You'll an, do anything objective. to be on the wall? Yeah, I think that's really... that's a, Okay, a, well. And, all right, next point. And I will be able to do some, some artistic stuff with this. We'll get to that in a second. Okay, next point is how long ago did this happen? I'd say... About six months. I don't know. Give it six take. months ago. Maybe a little longer. So fall? I think it was cold out. All right. Fall, winter, whatever. Um, so it happened maybe about six months ago. Uh, remind me again how long you've been, you and Ruth have been dating? Um, over two years. Okay. So this was a more recent situation where Ruth was already your girlfriend. Look, I was a victim in a way because, you know, I... I I mean, yes, I wanted. To, they wanted to see my studio and all this bullshit. There's and, no studio down there. Oh, well, I kind of there's, there. was a semblance <laughs> of a studio. I was. I mean, really, I was victimized. You are such a victim. What are these twenty-five? We want to see girls? your studio. Okay, come to the basement where there is no studio. There's stuff down there. Boxes of booze. No, and there's it's my bar storage. My silk screens are down there. Okay, so next point is this. Obviously, this happens on a night that Ruth is not here. Yeah. Um, had you done anything with the photographs in that time? No. But okay, that, so but this was such an urgent art matter of art, an art emergency, if you will, six months ago, and you still have not done anything with the pictures. Yes, but I just started painting, if you would pay attention. 
I mean, I've been to, I've been on a painting orgy in the last. Good word. Good word to use in the situation. About uh, three last three or so weeks, I I painted the new Trump and Lindsay Lickspittle painting, which I'm very pleased with. I I probably should. I I need to somebody to help me hang it. But it's all done. It's completed. It's dry. Okay. And it'll be it'll, it'll be adorning the wall. Let's get to that painting in a minute. Let's wrap up this story. Let's stay on track. Focus. All right, so just to summarize for everyone again, Ruth is not here tonight because today no, she, I she found she, 14 butthole no, pictures no, of some no. girl that you busy. took six she's, months ago because you supposedly wanted to paint she's this taking, thing. She's taking art classes now and she's doing her homework. Well, you, you tell yourself whatever you need to tell yourself. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm innocent. I'm. Look at me. Listen, just like the prostitute at your house picture situation. I, you bring a hooker home I, when, your, when your girlfriend's home? No, that was artistic. I'm on Ruth's side on this one. Well, you no, you poisoned her against um, some of my art, my more daring artwork. What do you mean I poisoned you know, her? Don't ever let him do that. You, you were, I don't you were terrible. say I... Yes, you were. All I say about your art is that I don't like the nudie stuff. It's unnecessary. Well, this wasn't nudie. She was cold. Oh, the prostitute. All right, no, I'm talking about this other situation. Well, I don't care if you don't like the nudie stuff. And by the way... <laughs> well, then don't blame me. And by the way, uh, that shit's going to be worth a whole lot of money. I just dug up a whole bunch of stuff um, that I have to find frames for. All right, so how are you going to fix this? I mean, simply by continuing to do great art. Wait, what? I'm talking about how are you going to make Ruth not mad at you anymore. I work my manager. What does that mean? Who do you think you're looking at right now? Well, explain to me what your magic is. My magic is, is, my magic is with women find me irresistible. That's that's your solution. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, um, I will say this in your defense, because I like to, you know, advocate for both sides. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! For both sides. In your defense. In your defense. This is who you have always been. This is who you've always been. So, in a way, when she finds pictures like this, she shouldn't be shocked. But see, women think that, oh, they're changed man now that they're with me. Well, I mean... False. Look at, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at death's door. I mean, come on. I, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there's just... Uh, uh, would you really worry about me? <laughs> Wait, I worry about you all the time. Well, I mean, worry about me being promiscuous or straying. My God, I don't have enough... That... Barely enough energy okay. to wake those up Okay, those two were... Those, that whole phrase of me worrying about you being promiscuous... No, I don't worry about you being promiscuous because... I mean, I guess... It's not something I would worry about, because I don't really. I no, don't, I don't. No, and plus, um, I've never really uh, strayed when I was getting all I needed at home. 
It's only when I wasn't. That's when I strayed, which was most of the time with most women. I was going to say, what are you talking about? But now. That's like the most consistent thing about now, you that I know. Now, now I'm, I'm getting way more than I can handle. Let me put it that way. Well, that's true because the situation has dramatically changed. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just saying I think she's got every right to be upset with you. Well, I, I don't see, think you should be taking naked yeah, pictures well, of people the, uh, Yes, but anymore. the important thing is... I think that phase in your life is she's over. She's taking art classes. She's doing very well. She's got talent. And that drawing she did of me is quite nice. And she's been doing some other stuff, and she's been doing her homework and all that. So I think the more art she does, the more she'll appreciate me being a little eccentric. I disagree. I don't think you have to do the nudie stuff anymore. Alas, but again, I'll say, but in your, in, in your defense, that's just who you always I'm been, working so at, whatever. Fact, as you mentioned that, by the way, I'm working on a very major, a very large painting. It's about, I think it's like 30 by 40 or something like that, of uh, John the Baptist uh, looking at Salome in her bath, which is this outdoor bath. And Salome is uh, making out with some chick in the water while six of her att naked attendants are pouring water into the um, into this outdoor bath. So I, it's, it's going to be a whole slew of naked women, but it's biblical. How, who's going to be your inspiration for all the naked women? I've already got their sketches. I don't need a Where'd lot they of come them. from? They're very um, Mediterranean-looking. Like, are, this is just from your memory of what women look like? Yeah. You don't need to actually have live nudes posed well, for you? It doesn't hurt that those images are seared in my mind. Um, what was the inspiration for this? Um, I have, uh, I've always wanted to do some biblical work. Really? Yeah. And I oh. love Salome. I wanted to do a picture of her. A series. Now, this is the beginning, but the final one will be Salome with the severed head of John the Baptist holding him up against her vagina. Okay. That's my final of the series. But it's a lot more work. So, anyway, the main thing is I do number one. We'll see where it goes. Okay, so how many are going to be in the series? Well, you need... Um, At least three, right? You need... Well, because if you go to the Art Institute, there's several series of that. Um, there's one where, he's in, where she has him in jail. Or I think she tries... I think she actually tries to get him to fuck her or something like that. So he fails. So she puts him in jail. Then she asks... I forget what the fucking king is. Is it Herod or one of those guys? She asked him to go cut, as if he wants pussy, he better cut John the Baptist's head off. And so then they bring John the Baptist with a, on a head on a tray, and everybody's really disgusted. Now, the one thing no artist has ever done is showed her with the severed head, having it perform cunnilingus on her. That's disgusting. It's called art. I, I'm, I, I'm trying to really question your... Artistic vision. I, I'm sure. I'm sure when you, if you hung around with Picasso, you'd say, "No, Pablo, I don't want to see you go through the Cubist period." <laughs> I could just hear it now. Um. Okay. Wait. Back to the painting you are finished with. Mm. What is that all about? It's um, L Lindsay Lickspittle Graham. Um, 
playing in, in these little tight gay outfit, playing golf with uh, big, large-ass uh, President Pissy Face. Okay. And what was... Why did you do that Because they play golf. They play golf together. So you just wanted to have that moment amongst the walls of the ale house. I, it was my interpretation. Yeah. Okay, it's, I it's just going, like to ask questions. It's going where Jesse Jackson Jr. Nobody gives a shit about Jesse Jackson Jr. They don't care about his father either. And by the way, his father was very instrumental in getting that Merlonic Kim Fox, the Chicago mm. uh, Cook County State's Attorney, to cut Jesse Smollett loose. And uh, and also Father Flotsky Flager is also part of that little... I mean, what fucking imbeciles. This guy's toxic. What's wrong with them? What's wrong with these people? I mean, I mean, I, I, this is the first time in my life I think I've ever supported the police union. <laughs> um, okay. So, those are going... Well, the... The I'm also going to do a painting. I'm doing preliminary sketches of a bar scene. Like it's, that? No, no. It's a bar. It's it's it, you can it, it, you, they're just looking directly. It's mostly just headshots leaning directly uh, from the behind the bar is is from where you're uh, uh, Bukowski, Brodigan, um, Bukowski, Brodigan. Oh. Hunter Thompson and R. Crumb all sitting at a bar together looking straight forward. Okay. So that's going to be, I want to do that. They all got great faces. And I've seen them all, I've seen them all up close, you know, and I lived So you, you, it's safe to say you've been on a painting tour. I have, I have, and I was telling Jordan, the problem is I'm not doing any writing because I'm painting all the time. And then here's the problem. Physically, I mean, I have to do all the prep work. I have to do the framing, cutting, um, sawing. I mean, it was out in the back porch. When, on, yesterday, it was so nice out. I was cutting panels, gessoing, and uh, doing all the prep work. It took me a whole fucking day. I was very tired. I had to take three naps. It's a lot of naps. Yeah, I mean, so, so it's not like the old days where I could just knock this shit off. I have to do some work. And... Um, and so it's so time Now I'm hoping, I'm, I'm trying to get way ahead so I've got all these paintings in process that I can do my work on my book, blog, and paint all at the same time. And now when the weather gets warm, I want to go out and play a little golf too. Oh yeah, can't forget about the golf. Yeah, but where do I get to sleep then? Um, you'll figure it out. Well, I, I hope so. Uh... So you've got all these different paintings, and I guess your focus has always been politics. You're going to think you're going to do anything now that we have a new mayor? Well, as I, 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 as I explained to people, that when I would have loved to have done some paintings of Richie Daly, and, but those boys control our liquor license. Yeah. No, no. I don't mind fucking with the governors, but not the mayors. 
Anyway, I have nothing but good, fond hopes for her anyway. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I am not surprised the low voter turnout. I, I would hope you... Did you vote? Because I don't yes. think you, you did. You swear. I swear. Swear on Jimmy's dead I mama. I swear. I especially um, uh, wanted to vote because in my particular ward, it was one of those runoffs as well. Who was your alderman? Uh, Smith and Blundblom was the race... Oh, Smith. Oh, that's right. What's her name, Smith? Um, so, yeah, but I'm, I'm not surprised at the low voter turnout. I'm at, well, well, I guess I, I am and I'm not. I would have been happy with either one winning. I can't believe that she won by that much. Well, I, it's, it's... What yeah. is that? What is it? What do you say about that? Well, people really wanted a change, I guess, and that they really... Prankwinkle was a lot more connected with the old machine, but she really... She's really very progressive. I mean, I would. I did not know who I was going to vote for really until I got my. When I walked over to the you know, I was ambivalent all the you way. You voted for her round one. No, no, I voted no. for Preckwinkle round one. That's what I'm saying. My whole, yeah, but I voted for Lightfoot round. I know. That, that's an interesting thing to see that change, here, that now shift. Get, now get this one. There's there's a very talented actress named Jennifer Engstrom. She's been acting for quite a while. Very attractive. And she, I'm Facebook friends with her, but by the way, I'm, Fuckerberg is still repressing all my posts. Nobody can read them. I can't read about 90% of other people. I mean, they're total, total harassment. But anyway. You're a victim again. Well, I mean, it's clear. I mean, you know, I mean, fuck the Russians. It's, it's me there. So, um, so anyway, she, she's attacking Lightfoot because she's pro cop or something. She, yeah. Uh, all right. So I, and then she's also on this really rant about um, Bernie, Bernie touching, feel, you know, like I said, oh yes, it's right. I mean, I've been really harassed with sexual handshakes all my life. I mean, it's really, you know, but they don't, I mean, actors are not really the smartest people in the world now. But so, but she was not. So anyway, on the, on the, as far as, so I said, well, I, at the last minute, I voted. Now there's all these actor types, theater people on her Facebook. So I said, well, at the last minute, I voted for Lori Lightfoot. So this guy, he's a playwright, black black kid playwright, playwright over at Red Orchid, he does a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. Named Isaac, Isaac Ike. You raced, Mr. Oh, Bruce. I've come into your establishment. I've had many conversations, and people have told me over the years that you are very prejudiced against people of color. So I'm going, oh yeah, all my black friends tell me that all the time. You know, what the fuck is that all about? You know, I don't ever remember talking about to this guy anyway. He's supposed to be a good playwright, but I, I can't tell you one way or another. So. They attack me. Now get this. This is really something. I voted for a black woman lesbian. And guess what they're calling me? A racist. I'm a fucking racist for fighting for a black woman. Okay, uh, so besides besides this guy, who else is calling you a racist? Um, Ingstrom. And and, hey, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck the alehouse. They're going bastard crazy on me. Now, I can't read... Respond the way I want to because I'm just getting over, you know. So basically, you've alienated a whole theater company. 
well, not the whole one, but the, I had I we I ran into this whole thing when they when they formed a lynch mob to get Hetty Weiss off the Sun Times because uh, of a review she did of a black play over at Steppenwolf. Now this is maybe the dumbest thing these people have ever done because um, theater critics are free advertising. I mean, it, it's you know. You can get sports writers that say the Cubs eat shit or the Sox eat shit or whatever. That's advertising. It's fucking free. Now, they drove her off the, the Sun-Times. Now the Sun-Times doesn't even have a drama critic, I don't think. I mean, it's the most self-indulgent bullshit. But now I'm being called a racist because I voted for a black woman. I, I mean, I'm even... I mean, I'm having even actors. That's, that's kind of hard to... Uh, fathom how they can make that leap. How are you going to fix that? I'm not. I'm calling them names. I responded in kind. Uh-huh. So, um... um okay, well, uh... But anyway, I'm, I'm the hopeful. election... I'm hopeful. But the, Yeah, I'm very hopeful. I mean, um... I mean, she's smart. Now, it's interesting. Preckwinkle had a white husband. I guess she divorced him, somebody said. She got a white kid, too. Um, but uh, Lori Life was got big, tall, a big, tall white, white, white wife. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's gonna be interesting. Now, I've been leaning. I was kind of a Camilla Harris. <laughs> Again, there's my racism. I, I was supporting a black yeah. candidate, but um, I, I'm more like and more. Pete? Yeah, more and more, I'm like a uh, gay Pete. <laughs> I haven't used that before. I think oh I like that. I'm, I'm supporting Gay Pete. But he's really a smart boy. And get this, motherfucker went over to Afghanistan. Yeah, he did. He's a veteran. Yeah, whereas opposed to President Bissyface, you know, with he's, Mr. Bonesburg. He actually has a really nice sense of humor on Twitter. He's funny. Now, yeah. I was a cannibal Paul by his religious shit, but he's taking a religious position from the left, saying, hey, it's nice... Um, to do do nice things for poor people and people that you know are fucked up. Oh, okay, that's, that's go do nice things for people who are fucked up. Everybody empathy, unlike what our fucking president. Had. Oh yeah, that's, I, I can't even I can't even go. And and that today I believe sometimes. today is the six year anniversary of Roger Ebert's death. Yeah, so six years ago and Roger so died. His, his wife, Chaz. Uh, rented a bus and they had on the bus kind of like an, I saw it on Facebook and they have a, kind of a newsreel of Roger but um, she was going around interviewing people about empathy and um, I, I know what, it struck me because she, she was I, it looked like she was over at 53rd and Lake Park I mean I recognize it and, and she's interviewing people on the street about empathy I think it would have been ironic had I walked by and she could have asked me about empathy. I told her to interview uh, Rick Cogan. Um, so, I don't want to get too morbid or anything, but how did you find out that Roger had passed away? When he died? Yeah. Um, I was out at the dunes. and I Was, was out he out there? No, he was home. No, he was in the hospital, but I didn't know all this. McHugh told me. What, 
I had been communicating with him, I think probably within a week to 10 days before he died. I mean, and that's, I mean, I, I had seen him on his birthday up in Harvard, Michigan. So um, I knew how bad he looked, but he, um, he was so sharp on the air because that's how I communicate with him. He couldn't talk. Yeah. So I, I talked to him uh, two, two, sometimes three times a week on the internet about politics and art and all this shit and my blog and various things, just gossip things too. And um, he's so sharp. So I figured, well, my motherfucker's mind is just, you know. Well, it turns out McHugh told me that... Um, they got, Chaz called him and some other really close friends, and they just kind of gathered around his bed and said, no, no, it's over, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, no, pull the plug, I don't want to do it. And so he knew, but yeah. I got a call, I think it was from either Toby or Grace. I was just wrapping up out of the dunes, I was doing my arboretum stuff. And um, said Roger died. What? I mean, I, I shouldn't have been shocked. I shouldn't have been. But it was really quite devastating to hear. I mean, the guy, and, you know, we'd had our ups and downs over the years. And I knew him when he was drinking. And I knew him when he wasn't drinking. And I knew him before he went to Michigan and back. And um, before he was ill after he was ill and he'd done so much for me getting me to write the blog giving me tips Bourdain never would have found out about me had it not been for Roger so yeah it was really quite devastating and um, I don't I shouldn't have been surprised but I was I was definitely surprised so after you get this call what did you do the rest of the day um, I was very. I was. I went home and I was morose. I didn't come out or anything. I, I just. I wrote. In fact, I wrote a blog about it. I think that's all I did. Hmm. Um. Well, how are you feeling now? He's been dead for six fucking years, <laughs> and he. You know, I still quote often what he said, because you know he was. He did do a religious thing for a while. Now that that was years ago. It was really annoying to me. You know, we'd go to somebody's funeral and then Roger go up and do that, commu- where they do the sign of the cross or whatever the fuck they do. Communion. Communion, yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, it sickened me. I mean, Roger, you, you sickened me with that bullshit. And, was he um, not always religious? Like, uh, did, did he become more religious I, I, after he got sick? I, I think he did it to piss me off. And no. Yeah, but, it's always about you. I think so. I think he definitely. <laughs> I know you think so. I think he directed it definitely because he knew it really annoyed me. But um, no, he he he. Um, I'd say the last five ten years of his life, he became very un very unreligious, and he he said this is a great quote. He said because this is after he got ill, but he said. I was very happy before I was born, and I'm sure I'll be very happy after I die. That was his... Now, unbeknownst... I think Roger, knowing his sense of humor, 
Because he was definitely, definitely, if not out now, atheist, but agnostic. But Chaz was anything but. And she goes and throws a big shindig at um, Holy Name Cathedral. And I, I wrote my blog about she voltaired them. You know. Now, the thing is, somebody was telling me, oh, it's terrible she did. I said, no, no, no. I said, look, if it made her feel good, fine. And um, the, it, Roger would have got a kick out of it. Yeah. Know, having this thing in this, in this uh, gothic prank of a cathedral and these fucking... A father of Flager was there and some other priests and they're doing all this shit and um, you know what are you going to do what the fuck are you going to do um, I mean if you're dead you, you don't give a shit true it's, uh, yeah those funerals are for the living yeah um, I didn't ask you how are you feeling now because I still think you're sad but in a way are you, are you still well, sad no, I'm no, I but I mean, I look, Roger changed my whole goddamn life when he got me to write the blog. And he, I didn't write, I said it was like a podcast, I didn't know what the fuck a blog was. And um, so he kept bugging Gracie. So, are you saying I'm like Roger Ebert? Hmm, are you saying I'm like Roger Ebert? Yeah, you're very, <laughs> okay. very similar. That's all that matters, very similar. And um, so. He he uh he got he, he he got Gracie to do that and then so I started writing the blog and then he started giving me tips and then he started uh, and critiquing, you know. Yeah. And um and then he was plugging me. I mean I he I forget what to, what what the hell I wrote about, but I got sixty fucking thousand hits in one day because of that. Yeah. And that's how Bourdain found me because he was a big fan of Okay, Rogers. all right. But aside from the so, blog... I mean, that, but that was life-changing to right, me. Right, sure. I was not going to write any fucking books. Sure. So he truly set the path for your future in terms of what, how you were going to spend your time. Well, it changed... It, 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 yeah, it was because, I mean, it was a perfect time for me to write a blog because I was no longer chasing pussy with the same, you know, fearless... Vigor, yeah. the, the same vigor. And um, I, uh, my golf game had deteriorated. And uh, so I had time. Okay, aside from him encouraging you to write a blog, aside from him referring Bourdain to you, which two very life-changing situations, um, how else could you say, would you say that he contributed to who you are? Well, I mean, he was part of, he was part of the old bar crowd. Um, you know, he'd come and start out, he'd be down to Billy Go Ricardo's and they what they call the Bermuda Triangle and then the Viagra. The, no, no, this was the Bermuda. Oh before, before, before the Viagra Triangle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was uh, I guess some little pipsqueak reporter named Jim Warren is one that invented that according to Tui. Um, so then he come to O'Rourke but he made O'Rourke's McHugh and him made turned that yeah. into a big journalistic hangout. Then the guys that were still standing would end up at the ale house because the ale house had the four o'clock. So I'd see him. Now, it was a take no prisoners kind of group of people. I mean, you had to be able to, you could dish it out, but you better be able to take it. Now, Roger could. 
you know, because he was always getting fat jokes. And then when he started getting famous, people would make fun. I mean, he took a lot of abuse, but he was very good at dishing out, too. So he was fine. And um, so I got to know him from that standpoint. And then when he, when he, when he quit drinking, he was living right behind... Uh, oh, he, the four farthings. Uh, he lived right behind that. Yeah. And Pat Colander lived there. Uh, about like that was like a little like uh, journalist enclave over there. At the four farthings. Just like that little pocket of like old nah. town Lincoln Park. Yeah, Walter Jacobson lived over there. Yeah, but he, you know you can call him a journalist. Oh God. God. All he right, lived on, on Cleveland Street. Mo- yeah, moving on. Yeah, I mean, people lived around there, but the forefathers are always some fucking Republican. All right, whatever. Anyway, so um, then Roger got real... So Roger, after he joins AA, now he had to. I mean, he needed to quit drinking or he couldn't have continued to work. That's how bad he got. But he started coming into O'Rourke's, and he would, we'd all be sitting there drinking... And he started process. Now he's a he's a star now. I mean, he's a big deal, and he'd been bringing in people like Jane Russell and all those kind of uh, people into uh, into uh, O'Rourke's because he was so fucking um, Albert Brooks and people. So he uh, he comes in. and He starts proselytizing. Now all the little star fuckers. Hey, come on to AA. It's it's great. You'll love AA. So after he does this for about four or five days, I said, Roger, Roger, and he's, while he's in the middle of his spiel, I said, Roger, you have a life-threatening disease, but it's not alcoholism. It's called fucking obesity. So <laughs> that stopped. He didn't come back. That stopped him. But he didn't talk to me for, I don't know, two or three years after He was that. pissed. Was I pissed? He was. Oh, he was real pissed. Hang on a second. But no one ever, none of his other good friends, none of his other, no, other colleagues it ever was said, hey, whole, bud, you're a little fat. It, no, it was the whole thing about this whole AA bullshit. And then he, they, at some meet, I get people, Rat Squad would tell me, this other so-called friend of mine named Paul Galloway, that one-time friend, they would be talking about, don't go to the work to yours because Bruce Elliott is the number one enemy of AA. Like, I give a fuck about AA. This but is the other play- consistent message in your life is that everyone but thinks But they're painting the me like I'm the bad guy. And this, I mean, I'm the responsible for them all being drunk, so please. Anyway, so that, but then, um, he was always good friends with Toby. And Gracie used to call him up and ask him whether she should go to movies and stuff. <laughs> and then, so when she was a little hey, girl. Hey, should I go see this movie? What? Tell me. But, but then she stopped calling him. He asked me, why Gracie doesn't call me anymore? I said, because she thinks you're full of shit about your movies. She just, <laughs> <laughs> she's, like, she's like 11 or 12. But anyway, <laughs> then he buys um, a house out in New Buffalo. And we used to go up to Michigan a lot because my mom was up there and my uncles and all that. So he would always invite us to stuff. And so we got back, you know, <laughs> he was speaking to me and all that. And he was very tight with Gracie and, and Toby. So then, and I, t- I, t- I, was, uh, I was telling Steve James when they made the movie about um, the documentary about Roger. Life itself. I said it was when Roger 
uh, got the mansion, really kind of a mansion, in Harbert, Michigan. Beautiful fucking place, toilet in the lake. Gorgeous, gorgeous place. And he loved it. And he would pretty much come up there every weekend. But he had all these AA women kind of running his life once he got up there. They were going to be the ones throwing parties and doing this and doing that and picking out the people that got invited. Now, at that point, Toby Grayson and I were living up in Benton Harbor, St. Joe. So we're just 10, 15 yeah, minutes from his... Yeah. So he, he would always insist we get invited. I don't think I was very popular with his AA girlfriends out there. But Roger would bring different women, all from his AA chapter, up for the weekend. But they never, almost never repeat. And so we happen to be up there, and Roger shows up with a black woman. Now, these fucking women, I, really, I, I was, they were more and more disgusted me. That were, Toby used to cook... It's Thanksgiving, we'd always have it up there, and he always have her cook, and uh, she'd been doing that for years. He loved family stuff. He had all my uncles along, and then there'd be the other kind of strangers I didn't know. But now these women were taking more and more control and bringing shit. And um, so Chaz, he brings Chaz up. Well, these, you could just see, I mean, now, you can't find a... Um, black woman from the south side of Chicago that can't spot a racist like 10 miles away with Maria. And so they give her the cold Toby. Figuring, oh, she's this this week's. Well, Toby knew her sister-in-law. And Gracie liked her. Gracie was all... all. So we're in this kind of one room and with, with Chaz and all the other broads were in the uh, other room. And... Um, so I told Steve James it was a beautiful fucking thing to watch because all of a sudden she's back again next week and then the week afterwards. So all these women just didn't like her because she was black? They didn't like her because she was like, they didn't, they, I think that was part of it. Plus they didn't like any competition, you know. Well, so these were these ladies like wanting to become Mrs. No, Roger Ebert? No, I think they, what the no. fuck was their problem? No, they were all married and stuff. They were running his life. I mean, it was great. He'd pick up the bill. They could entertain pretty much every goddamn weekend at Roger's mansion. He had this great big movie, movie room in there. I mean, it was, I mean, and then the beach. He had a beach house. He had, oh, man, it was a great deal. So, and he was perfectly acquiescent about them kind of running everything um, but I told St. James a beautiful thing by the time they got married Chaz had cut the throat of every one of the heroines <laughs> they were all gone <laughs> not one of them made it to the fucking wedding that's great oh it was, it was oh god I loved it uh, that's great um well R.I.P. Roger Ebert I'm glad you got to know him for so long. Well, I'll say one thing. I'll say one thing for Chad. Um, she kept Roger alive for two years long. I mean, as I pointed out on that when I was on in the movie, I said she was the first girlfriend he ever had that liked him. <laughs> Sounds like you and Ruth. Um, I think the girls liked me for a while. That's what everyone thinks. That's why it's a while. It, but then, oh yeah. Well. Yeah, see? 
I, I, I don't think it's comparable. I think my taste in broads is a hell of a lot better than Rogers. Oh, really? Oh, I know so. What was he? Oh, God almighty. Starfucker, money grubber, mean. I mean, I guess that's the the difficult issue with maybe being a celebrity is that you don't know Well, this was after. even before. I knew is before. Is it after your money? Is it after your fame? Before, is it after before, God knows what else? Before he was a celebrity. He had terrible taste in broads. Okay, so what were they after? I, I don't know what the hell they're either. Why? Well, what the fuck's your criteria then? My criteria is I met them. They were horrible. Okay, how are they horrible? And they and by the way, they treated them like shit. All right. Okay, that's great. That's a great reason. Yeah. They treated your friend like shit. Yeah, they did. All right. Use your words. Yeah. So anyway, right. so anyway, I miss I miss Roger, but I'll tell you what. Chaz, I, I, a lot of people thought when she had an open casket that was a very poor taste. And um, I, I disagree. I think people really need to just see how fucking sick he was. He was probably 80 pounds if he was a pound. He had no lower jaw, no tongue. I mean, it was fucking... I mean, the That's guy, crazy. for him to... to Persevere. I mean, he had a couple million people a day following his blog. Yeah. And there's nothing comparable with with cultural stuff on the internet. Nobody's drawing stuff like that. So he was an amazing guy. He was an amazing guy. Um, well, I, I appreciate you telling stories about him to keep his memory alive. It's always good. Oh, right? I think I'll, it, I'll be doing that about you. I think I'm it, sure. Um, Yes, you'll be. Pr- I, yeah, I see. Every time you look at me, I think you see dollar signs down the Oh, road. Lord. That you know nothing about me. I detect that. Yeah. Um, I have not seen that movie, so I might watch that tonight. You haven't seen that? No. Once it, I mean, I'll tell you what. I talked to Rick Cogan about this. I think we both decided we're not going to star in the movies anymore after we didn't get Academy Awards. Oh, that's right. You just you think you deserve an, uh, an Oscar for your appearance in well, the Roger Ebert documentary? Certainly, the movie did. You know, I am going to watch that tonight, and I will give you my assessment. And the final shots in here. Oh, it's nice. I don't feel like sitting in the bar. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up because I got to use the potty. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jordan, thanks for always yes. uh, being with us. Yes, thank you, Jordan. Um, I really hope Harris feels better, and uh, he's on drugs, so that's a good thing. Drugs and hugs, not drugs, not hugs. Well, that's your... Uh, drugs and hugs, that's occasionally. Your, yeah. uh, genius, anything else? Yeah, I have a lot of stuff on my chest, but uh, no, I, I think I can... All right, well then how about you just say goodnight? Say goodnight to who? Say goodnight, genius. Goodnight, genius. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will uh, chat again next week. Bye.